Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, October 31st, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you're out there trick-or-treating with all of your great... I don't know, is it still cosplay if it's Halloween? I don't know how if it's just a co- I don't know how that works. Anyway, happy Halloween. Make sure that you check all of your candy for razor blades. Uh, anyway, James was out seeing M. Butterfly last night, so I am here on my own. And we were releasing this episode slightly later than normal because we do have a little bit of news that was embargoed until 8.30 a.m. It's not earth-shattering stuff, but exciting nonetheless. We will get to that in a second, but unfortunately, we do have more important stories to discuss first. However, before we dive into that not-so-nice, ugly stuff... Uh, I just wanted to let you know that the music that will underscore this episode is La Regiment, performed by the Ohio State Marching Band. The song is what to biddle, sorry, that's what we call the best damn band in the land, plays during the greatest tradition in all of college sports, Script Ohio. I promise that I'll do my best not to tear up and weep openly during this episode as it plays. Okay, all right, let's get into this news. So this is a story that you have probably seen written about online, both in various articles and on social media already. And even though this is not the type of story that we like to cover on here, when it hits this close to our theatrical home, we can't really ignore it. However, since it has been literally everywhere for the past 36 hours, I won't linger on this story for too long. If you couldn't guess, I'm speaking of the claims made by stage and screen star Anthony Rapp in an interview with BuzzFeed that was published on Sunday night. In the article, Rapp recounts an experience with fellow actor Kevin Spacey at a party in 1986. At the time, Spacey was 26 and Rapp was 14. They both were starring on Broadway in critically acclaimed plays. At the time, Rapp was in Precious Sons and Spacey in A Long Day's Journey in Tonight. Through events and parties and different Broadway engagements, Spacey and Rapp had developed something of a friendship, and Spacey invited Rapp to a party at his apartment one night. As Rapp notes, he was living in the city with his late mother at the time, relocated from Joliet, Illinois, for the Broadway uh, production. And even though his mother was protective of him, Rapp says that it was a different time and they didn't think anything of him going to a party with other industry professionals. So he went to the party alone. Not really knowing anyone there, Rapp found himself in a bedroom watching TV by himself for hours and some time later, Spacey, whom Rapp believed to be drunk at the time, came into the room, picked Rapp up, laid him on the bed, and then aggressively got on top of him. Rapp said that after initially being caught off guard, he did begin to squirm and got away. He then tried to hide and collect himself in the bathroom before convincing Spacey to let him leave the apartment. Rapp said that while he has shared this story with many close friends and family members over the years, that it has haunted him and frustrated him and angered him ever since, and that he was finally going public after being inspired by the bravery of the women who spoke out about the harassment and abuse suffered at the hands of Harvey Weinstein and the other men and women who have spoken out about their abusers ever since. As a response, Spacey tweeted a statement saying that he did not remember that event happening and that he respects Rap and is sorry for the feelings that Rap has had to carry since then. He then goes on to say that while he has had relationships with both men and women, that he now chooses, quote, to live as a gay man. 
Many people online have rightly jumped at that additional paragraph, saying that Spacey confirming decades-old rumors about his sexuality has little to nothing to do with Rapp's claim, especially since, as Rapp said, he was 14 but looked much younger at the time. As you would expect, the response has been swift and damning of Spacey. Netflix announced that his show House of Cards would end following the sixth season, which is currently in production. Obviously, the story is only a day and a half old, and as we've learned from the Weinstein, James Toback, et al. stories, there will likely be more to come from this. Okay, uh, now into the more fun, exciting stuff getting away from the depressing and frustrating stories that we have to talk about. Over the past 24 hours, we've gotten a pair of cast album news releases, and both had their own element of surprise, I would say. We will start with the news that was just released this morning, and the reason that we are bringing this episode to you at 8.30, and that is that producers for The Band's Visit announced this morning that the original Broadway cast recording of the show will be released by Ghostlight Records, later this year. Very exciting. Broadway radio friend Kurt Deutsch will executive produce with the composer David Yazbak and music coordinator slash supervisor Dean Chernow co-producing as well. You can get more information and sign up for updates at Chickaboom's website or at thebandsvisitmusical.com. And of course, we will have both links in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. While the speed of that album is what's a little bit surprising, I wasn't exactly sure if we were going to get a cast album for this one. But yesterday, Emily Skinner posted on Instagram that the day after the show closed, the cast and orchestra for Prince of Broadway was recording in the Hammerstein Ballroom, the same venue that the original cast album of Follies was recorded. The album will be released by Gorgeous Entertainment, and additional details, including a release date, will be announced in the future. As James, Natalie, and I discussed yesterday, this is likely a show that will do very well with theaters of varying sizes and professional capabilities around the country, and having a cast album certainly makes that even more of a possibility. And if for nothing else, apparently Emily Skinner's performance of Ladies Who Lunch is revelatory, so I'm glad that we will get the opportunity to all hear that. Okay, moving on to last week's Broadway grosses, the collective box office was down about $2 million from the previous week as the main stem lost sloppy Michael Moore's Terms of My Surrender, in addition to some other contributing factors, which we will discuss, of course. But the grosses were down $2,000,098 from the previous week for a decline of 6.54%. The biggest decline was actually seen from Hamilton, which fell $252,203, but that was to be expected as the show had another successful Eduham performance last week where the tickets were discounted for New York City students. Other shows that saw six-figure declines were Anastasia, Wicked, Prince of Broadway, which obviously was its final week on Broadway, but it was also an extended week that was added late, so uh, maybe people weren't able to get tickets and the MTC subscribers had already seen the show. Uh, And also M. Butterfly, which opened last week, lost six figures as well from the previous frame. Miss Saigon, Phantom of the Opera, and Beautiful all dipped more than $90,000 as well. In total, 22 of Broadway's 29 shows last week were in the red compared to the previous week. The biggest gainer was Latin History for Morons, which jumped $22,546 as it went from three to four performances, despite the fact that star John Leguizamo had to cancel two performances due to illness. Despite their quarter of a million dollar decline, Hamilton still reigned supreme, grossing $2,665,092 
followed by Springsteen on Broadway at 2.38 million, Hello Dolly at 2.36 million, Lion King at 2.02, Dear Evan Hansen at 1.68, Wicked at 1.52, Aladdin at 1.39, Come From Away at 1.33, and The Book of Mormon at $1.21 million. The little play that could, the play that goes wrong, continues to chug away at the Lyceum as it was last week's lowest grossing show with no closing date announced. And we don't see one anytime soon, apparently, even though this is one I've had on Bubble Watch for a while. Also, keep an eye on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory during the holidays over the next few months, as it's had a rather precipitous fall since the end of the summer, dropping more than $300,000 since mid-August. Now, that's not really a surprise considering that its target audience is all back in school and not really going to Broadway shows regularly, but other than Chicago, which will likely outlive us all, it is the lowest grossing open-ended musical on the boards, and how it does from now through the end of the calendar year will likely determine how long it stays around. Also, while it was only by $525, the band's visit was one of the six shows to pick up money last week, as it came in at $872,688, in my opinion, a really strong pre-opening, pre-review total for a show that, as I predicted before, will do increasingly well as those reviews come out and word of mouth continues to spread. Some other new shows to look at are Junk, doing a respectable $560,859 during previews at the Vivian Beaumont Theater. And with its $111,000 dip, and Butterfly came in at just under $529. We'll have to keep an eye out to see how long M. Butterfly runs as well. Okay, moving to some show and casting news. Yesterday, producers of A Bronx Tale announced that former Kinky Boots star Adam Kaplan will be replacing Bobby Conte Thornton as Calagero beginning on November 9th. Thornton, who originated the role, will end his run this Sunday. Also yesterday, while we knew that Ramin Karamloo's time in Anastasia was coming to an end, yesterday it was confirmed that he would depart the company on December 3rd. No replacement for the role of Gleb has officially been announced, but might I submit, recent This Week on Broadway guest Manuel Felciano, who originated the role in the world premiere in Hartford, but did not continue with the show when it came to Broadway, choosing instead to stick with another show that he was involved with the world premiere out of town with, and that was Amelie. So we'll see if Manuel or anybody else gets announced for that role very soon. And finally in this section yesterday, Dear Evan Hansen announced that as a thank you to its fans, it would be officially christening December 10th Fan Appreciation Day and would be making all tickets to that day's performance free. To be eligible to get those tickets, you must enter their digital lottery by November 5th. Obviously, we will have a link in the show notes to broadwayradio.com, so make sure you sign up before the end of the week. This is a really cool trend going on that we've seen fairly regularly. We saw The Lion King announcing uh, something similar for its 20th anniversary. Between these performances and then student-centered things like Eduham and what RTC is doing with Too Heavy for Your Pocket during its extension, and a lot of other initiatives that shows are doing both very publicly and somewhat privately to provide cost-effective opportunities for people to see theater is so vital in my opinion, not only for the continued growth of our art form and industry, but also terribly vital for so many people that need what only theater can give but they aren't able to see theater on a regular basis, so bravo to all involved. And finally, in our recommendation section, it seems appropriate that I have videos from two people that consider themselves, I don't know, life partners? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, the first 
is our good friend Robbie Rizel from his uh, Songs from Inside My Locker concert from 54 Below this past weekend. As everybody knows who's listened to any of the hundreds of podcast episodes that Robbie has done here on Broadway Radio and elsewhere, he is a fan of flops. And one of the songs that he did in his show is a medley of flops called the Not Since Carrie medley. Um, that video has found its way onto the YouTube, and we will have a, uh, a link in the show notes at broaderradio.com. <laughs> the video actually came from our friend Rob Johnston, who we talk about on this show um, occasionally. So uh, definitely check that one out. And then Robbie Rizal's life wife, Jessica Vosk, finally released um, her acoustic performance of the waitress song she used to be mine she was accompanied by her brother on guitar so it's very very good um jessica has long talked about how much she loves sarah borellis music so uh this was very cool check out both of those videos in the show notes uh they are both fantastic in very different ways (laughs) just to say the least Anyway, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt. You can subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. James will be back for Wednesday's episode, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.